Welcome back to the Strategy Sprints podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Simon Severino, and my guest today is an investigative journalist with more than 25 years of experience covering corporate news, including 17 years as a senior correspondent for Reuters International's news service. She's the author of Whitewash, the story of a weed killer, cancer, and the corruption of science, and exposed of corporate corruption in agriculture. The book won the coveted Rachel Carson Book Award from the Society of Environmental Journalists in 2018. She works now as a research director for the nonprofit US Right to Know and as a columnist for The Guardian. Her new book, The Monsanto Papers, was just released March 2. Welcome, everybody, Carrie Gillam. <laughs> Hello, thanks for having me. So cool to have you here. We don't have many investigative journalists here. I'm super pumped to learn about what you are doing. And But let's start with the why. Why, why did you go for journalism? You know, I never wanted to be anything but a journalist. I mean, from the time I was 12 years old, I think, I always knew um, that I wanted to, to write and to tell stories and to learn about really interesting things that people were doing in the world and share that with other people. And, you know, journalism, I feel is truly the best job in the world. I get to meet really important, interesting, impactful people and learn about what they're doing and then share it with others. So, you know, I'm just a messenger, but uh, it's a great, it's been a great career. And what are you currently working on? <laughs> well, I'm hoping not to write another book. You know, I just, you talked about my book. This is this is the baby that just came out, um, uh, what, March 2nd, a couple of weeks ago. So I'm still sort of uh, decompressing after writing that book and uh, looking around at different different things to do. There, I'm, I'm researching right now um, another company and another chemical. This one dealt with Monsanto and Roundup and glyphosate. And the way that the company you know, hid uh, the science connecting its chemical to cancer uh, for many years and how the company uh, manipulated scientific data and influenced regulators. But you know, this is only one company. And what I found in my career is we see this over and over and over again. So you know, right now I'm researching um, another, another company and another chemical that's been doing a lot of damage since the 60s, um, actually, to our environment and to human health. And, and at US Right to Know, the nonprofit uh, that you mentioned where I do research, we file a lot of Freedom of Information uh, Act requests and uh, state record requests. We try to dig up uh, what you know are supposed to be public records uh, that the public is entitled to see what the government is doing on its behalf in respect to public policy and public health uh, practices. And so we're doing a lot of that work and bringing these documents um, into public light. One thing we're working on right now, uh, we may not want to talk about it too much though, is the origins of the COVID virus and really asking mm -hmm. for documentation from the CDC and other agencies uh, about what they know about COVID and, and the origins and uh, gain-of-function research in laboratories around the world and just tr really trying to understand matters like that that are important to public health. I think I, I read an article from you in the New York Times where you said COVID is a wake-up call for us all in terms of health. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, I wrote, gosh, when did I write that piece? I don't know. Um, 
But, and other people have made that observation. Uh, COVID has been just such a, a tragedy for so many people. But what the data has showed us is that invariably the people who have been sickened the most or the deaths that we've seen are the elderly, um, but also people who, you know, are diabetic and who are obese, who suffer from other health problems um, that make them particularly vulnerable to this virus, as well as, you know, numerous other viruses. And, you know, the sicker that our population is just to begin with, obviously the more tragic the toll of a virus like COVID. So I think it is a wake up call and should be for all of us that we need to adopt healthier lifestyles. We need to eat healthier. We need to you know, watch you know, what we're putting in our mouths. We need to exercise. We need to call for more protective health policies so that we're not living in a toxic environment where our air is contaminated and our water and our food contaminated with pesticide residues and other chemical compounds that scientists have linked to cancer, reproductive problems. Um, there, it is a wake up call that we need to work harder to create a healthier world, I think, or you know, our children are gonna face a really dark future. Writing the Monsanto book, was the research phase, was it dangerous for you? You know, no, probably not. I don't know. I mean, over the course of this 20 some years that I've been covering the agrochemical industry, uh, you know, I have become the subject of a lot of attack and harassment and intimidation tactics by some of the big companies, Monsanto in particular. Um, we've gotten internal documents that show that the company um, you know, engaged third parties and consulting groups to level attacks um, upon me specifically to try to silence me, to try to get my book, um, you know, taken down basically, um, my first book. So, you know, and I have received threatening emails and been trolled on social media. So there have been times I've been fearful uh, for my family, but, uh, you know, not not what a lot of journalists face, certainly not not in a war zone and uh, that sort of thing. So but but it is unfortunate, and I think, and alarming that very powerful companies, you know, resort to these tactics um, quite often. I think trying to silence the messenger rather than trying to really address, you know, the, the harms of their products um, and be truthful and transparent with the public. That's what we need is more truthful and transparent actions by companies that are peddling these pro products that come with a lot of risk to our health. What can listeners do to contribute to stop the, yeah, the, the activities that you have investigated? Yeah, I mean, that's such a good question. People ask me a lot, you know, what, what is going on with these corporate leaders, um, the people who head up a Monsanto or a Dow or DuPont or a Syngenta or, you know, uh, numerous companies that are creating harm uh, with their products and not being truthful about the risks so that people can better protect themselves. And why are these people motivated? Well, the, the obvious answer is, you know, profit. And, you know, we all, everybody talks about double digit gains in EPS growth and, you know, all of this sort of thing to, to uh, gain the favor of the market and investors, but you really have to think long-term and you have to think about what your products are doing to public health, to environmental health, to the sustainability of the planet, and really look at ways to be truthful with the public about the risks, 
but to modify practices and modify products if you have to, um, to to have a longer run here. You know, we hope to be around, you know, for a long, long time and children and grandchildren, many generations to come. But, you know, the things that are being done to our planet and to our public health system right now, you know, do not create a good future. So I would urge corporate leaders to take a hard look, um, you know, at your portfolio, not only from a profit standpoint, but from a public health standpoint. I am curious about the three books that had most influence on you after one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategiesprints.com. You can pick only three books. <laughs> only three books. Well, it shouldn't be surprising. I mean, they're all pretty much journalistic books. Um, Tom's River. Uh, by Dan Fagan. I, I think that book most influenced me um, you know, when I was writing Whitewash. You know, I was trying to. Tom's River is a story about Tom's River, New Jersey, and um, you know, terrible pollution that was going on there for many years and, and really just creating a lot of uh, health problems for the people there. Um, all the President's Men, of course, you know, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, um, People know <laughs> the story of all the president's men, I suppose, and how those two journalists for the Washington Post, um, you know, basically uncovered Watergate, uh, you know, and the and the scandal that led to Nixon's resignation, impeachment, and resignation. Um, and then uh, a civil action, a civil action. You know, if you're familiar with that uh, story, who is the who is the author of that? Um, Har, Jonathan, Jonathan Har. And they made that into a movie, um, but it was a story about a long legal battle and a lawyer, you know, trying for many years valiantly to, you know, represent these people whose town and water had been polluted and uh, they were suffering and dying because of it. And he, you know, had to put all of his money and his reputation and his law firm basically on the line to try to defend these people and hold this company accountable. And it's a story of, of, that man's fight, you know, and I, that book really influenced the Monsanto papers because in this book, the Monsanto papers, it really is a story about one man and his cancer and then how he connects with a group of attorneys who have to take on the giant Monsanto and they put millions of dollars of their own money on the line to create this case and to get these discovery documents and to, uh, bring in witnesses and just really try to build a case for this first ever trial to take Monsanto to court to try to prove that its products cause cancer, to try to prove that the company had known that for 40 years and hidden that. Um, so it was a big, really historic case. And uh, so, yeah, so I followed, a, I followed a civil action to a degree in trying to write that book. But um, yeah, and you know, this the case of Lee Johnson in the book has been rather historic because it led Bayer, which bought Monsanto, to you know agree to pay roughly $11 billion uh, in settlements now to 100,000 people around the US um, who say that their non-Hodgkin lymphoma is due to their exposure to the herbicide products Roundup. So it really has turned out to be historic and it's a great, it's a great reflection of what we were talking about earlier about the need for corporations to really look deeply at the impacts of their products on public health, not just on profit. Bayer has suffered 
the German company has suffered greatly because of its acquisition of Monsanto, not doing proper due diligence, not understanding the liability that it faced when it bought Monsanto with these Roundup litigation um, cases looming. And you know their their market share uh, has plummeted. They've been sued by investors now. It's 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 a really good case study in what can go wrong when you don't you know properly assess the risk of your products. Thank you, Alexander Baldele. He helped us, Jonathan Har. And what are are you? What is your perspective right now? Your government has one million vaccines per day rolling forward. What's What's your perspective? When, when is uh, COVID going to be managed in the U.S.? <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. I mean, hasn't that just been? It's been such a crazy last year, I think. And you know, we all hope sooner rather than later, right? I mean, my family uh, has has not suffered. My husband got sick from COVID. My son got sick from COVID but no one has died yet. My father died from cancer a few months ago. Um, so cancer is really the main concern uh, in our family. Um, my husband has recently been diagnosed with cancer and is dealing with that. But in terms of COVID, I think we need balance. I think we need, um, I think we need a balancing of the economic interest with the health interests. I think it's incredibly alarming that we've seen our government, you know, shut down businesses and order people to be locked down and to to get it so involved in individual lives that in some states they're telling people they can't take a walk with a neighbor or visit a friend or you know have a child visit with a grandparent. Yeah. You know, thank God that we visited with my father before he died and didn't, you know, didn't give in to to you know, warnings, I guess, from our government that we should be isolated uh, from people we love. So I don't know. I'm certainly not an expert. I don't have the answers. I just hope that the people who are smarter than I am and who do have the answers um, can bring us back to some sense of normalcy uh, quickly. How much can you share about your current um, research on the source of COVID? So the the research that's being done at US Right to Know, again, what we're simply trying to do is what we always do is gather public documents, gather information, emails and records and other things. Unfortunately, um, my colleague who's been working on this, he just received several thousand pages of documents and many of them were redacted. Um, the government is, is trying to be very secretive about this um, as they are, I guess, with a lot of things. Um, but the idea is really to just understand if there was some connection, if this really is um, zoonotic, if this really originated, you know, with wildlife, or if this was in some way connected to gain of function research that is ongoing in laboratories around the world, including in the Wuhan lab, uh, the U.S. funding that was connected to the Wuhan lab, some of the scientists in the United States who have been partnering with the Wuhan lab to look at coronavirus research. Um, I don't think anyone thinks, I don't know, uh, maybe some people do, that there was some sort of intentional, you know, um, bioweapon launched on the world. Um, that's certainly not what we are, uh, you know, perpetrating or, or thinking. We're simply trying to look at documents and communications so that we know 
better what our government knows, because they certainly are not wanting to talk about it right now. Is there anything I forgot to ask you? <laughs> um, no, I mean, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think, you know, what we're trying to do is just do what journalists around the world have tried to do, you know, for all of time, I guess, is get to the truth, bring facts to light that uh, quite often government or companies or powerful entities don't want, you know, in the spotlight. Because we believe if you have the facts, you know, truthful information, whatever they may tell you, um, you can live a better life. You can make better decisions. You know what public policies that you can support or want to support. Um, it's not a partisan issue. It's not, uh, you know, it's just about getting to the truth and, uh, and trying to share that truth with as, with as many people as possible. If listeners, they stumble upon a piece of information that could be valuable for your research, where, where should they send it to? So U.S. Right to Know is the name of the U.S. organization. It's usrtk.org, uh, usrtk.org. Um, or you can email me, Carrie, uh, at carriegillum.com. Uh, but, you know, just reach out. We, we hear from people a lot with, with news tips or ideas or concerns or questions. And if we have the public documents or we can help point you in a direction to find answers, you know, we try to do that. We're trying to be a public research for public resource uh, for public health. If there are young people listening right now and they say, oh my God, I have also the dream of becoming a journalist. <laughs> What's your tip for them? Let's say they are in, in their 20s or even below and they want to become a journalist. What would, you, what would you say to them? I would say go for it, definitely. I'd say you have to have a thick skin. You certainly can't be concerned about what people think about you or be afraid that you're going to be criticized or um, you know, attacked or harassed for what you write. Uh, you have to, and you have to be incredibly devoted to truth and fact telling and not um, let yourself be influenced um, you know, by powerful forces, I guess, that, that want to make you their puppet. So um, you know, study and, and uh, get about the business of, of finding facts and sharing them with the world. Carrie, who should be my next guest? <laughs> you know, there are so many. Uh, Linda Birnbaum, if you could get Linda Birnbaum, I just think she's fascinating. Linda Birnbaum uh, is, a, is a scientist known around the world. She uh, helped lead our uh, National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences and National Toxicology Program for many years. She's very, um, very brilliant in understanding the risks that we face uh, from environmental contaminants. She's brilliant about understanding the you know, the uh, mechanisms of government and policy and uh, the pressures that come with that. And, you know, she has herself has suffered from uh, effort to intimidate and harass her and to silence her. So she would be a great, a great person uh, to get if, if possible. Thank you so much, Carrie, for being on the show, sharing your journey, your wisdom with us. Please come back soon. Thank you for having me. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.